Hi, welcome back to The Horrors. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. And we're back. With a new theme this month. Witches! Bitches! <laughs> and this is actually a movie that we have been telling you that we were going to cover for <laughs> a while. <laughs> and then we kept pushing off for this reason and that reason, but we're finally here with The Craft from 1996. Such a cult classic. I like it. I mean, it has a lot of nostalgic factor for me. I think it's just like a great 90s teen horror movie. Like, it's not scary. No, it's really not. I had never seen this before, and watching it for the first time really was delightful. And I still felt like I got a lot of the fun nostalgia of the 90s that the film offers. Yeah, it's got Ginger Snaps energy. Yeah. And I just love that. Like, that's something I really just love about 90s movies generally. And we got, like, a good crop of ladies. Seriously. So we got four main ladies. So I'll run through those very quickly. We have Sarah, who is played by Robin Tunney. She's also in The Mentalist, Prison Break, and Monster Party. I loved this. She won an MTV Movie Award with Feyruza Bulk, who plays Nancy, for Best Fight, (laughs) which (laughs) I just thought was so funny because there is a little bit of an epic fight sequence. (laughs) I wouldn't say like on the level of any of the kitchen fights that we've had, but maybe great for 96. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Maybe we can start a new category for like bedroom slash bedroom hallway fights. Yeah. Dressers as weapons. Dressers as weapons. Might be fighting with the Babadook, though. The Babadook one was really Mm. one of the want the fireplace that one was really good Mm -hmm. next we have nancy who i think is the most iconic character of this movie played by feyruza bulk she is also in lots of tv films american history x and then the craft legacy which came out in 2020 which i'll be talking about at the end we have bonnie who is played by the one and only nev campbell obviously sydney motherfucking prescott (laughs) we love nev in this house she's also in house of cards lots of things Skeet Ulrich is also in this movie who plays Chris and they would go on to film Scream Together, also released in the same year that The Craft was released in 1996. But they filmed The Craft together first and then they filmed Scream Together where they played love interest, where in this movie they don't play love interest. Skeet is actually a love interest with Sarah's character. I also wrote, (laughs) I don't know why I wrote this, I just thought it was cute. Nev apparently hosted SNL with David Bowie in 1997. <laughs> and I just think that's the cutest thing. Like, it's really fucking cute. Like, it just shows like how much of the it girl she was in the 90s. And she's yes. badass now and iconic now still. But in yes. this time, she was really making her rounds. <laughs> and then we have Rochelle, who is played by Rachel True. She's in Embrace of the Vampire, Sharknado 2, mm-hmm. and a sitcom called Half and Half. So some pre-plot trivia. While researching for the craft, Feyruza Bulk became familiar with Pan Pipe's magical marketplace in Hollywood. And she eventually bought the store and continued to operate it until 2001 when she sold it. This, along with her rebellious reputation at the time, led to rumors that she was a practicing witch or Wiccan, but she denied these rumors in an interview in 2017. And apparently the craft served as the inspiration for the 2013 hit song Dark Horse by Katy Perry. What? No. Apparently. This changes everything. everything. <laughs> oh my God. That's got to be my favorite piece of pre-plot trivia ever. Really? It's like amazing. I love that. I After we're done recording this, I have to look up that song and I have to listen to it and think about it. Did you know that I saw Katy Perry tour that album? Yes, I did know that. Because you went with your friend. I did. He bought us floor tickets because like he had such a crush on Katy Perry and he was making bank that summer. He's like, you want to go? I'm like, yeah, why the fuck not? 
So I saw like Katy Perry like 10 feet from me singing Dark Horse and it was great. Oh, I remember. Oh my God, I remember that. I remember that song, that album. It takes me. It takes me to good places. So in crafting the story for The Craft, producer Doug Wick said, I started trying to figure out how to do a story that would be about very real teenage emotions expressed through witchcraft. In that heightened world, we could really explore the longings, the fears, the wants of teenage girls, just as they sort of come into their power, the power of their sexuality, their power in the world. And adding on to this, screenwriter Peter Filardi wrote, Doug and I spoke for hours about magic, mushrooms, and ecstasy. I remember telling him that magic is historically a weapon of the underclass. It was originally practiced by people of the heath or heathens, poor people without power of a king, army, or church behind them. Our characters could not be popular, beautiful overlords of their school. For real magic to work, they would have to be outsiders with more than desires. Real magic requires need. Ooh, that is so cool. I never really thought about it that way. Me either. Because I think in every witch story we've seen, we haven't really seen witches come into their power that much. They've all been already historically situated as being a witch or the witches that are in the movie are already the bad guys and it's other characters that are like navigating their witchcraft. But this is interesting in the sense that they're coming into their powers in the same way that they would be coming into puberty, just in the same way the producer just said. Have I ever talked to you about Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods? (laughs) You have, but not here. (laughs) Please tell me more. (laughs) So I love Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods. And I'm thinking of the witch who is super powerful when she is old and decrepit. But then as soon as she gets the materials together to make a spell for her beauty, she loses all of her power. And I'm thinking of that now because of this idea of need, right? Once she becomes conventionally gorgeous, maybe she loses that need and therefore her power. That's interesting. And it makes me think of movies like Jennifer's Body, where Jennifer is this succubus, but she has always had power. And that's something that was kind of like, oh, you're going to give this girl who already has like so much capital, even more dangerous capital. Like you never really see her fall from grace at all. She always just like ascends more. Which I think that was Diablo Cody's way of saying people are afraid of powerful women and Mm. women shouldn't have to lose their power for us to respect them. But I do like that this is telling that underdog story more similar to like the final girl having that resurgence into power that was always there, but they don't know how to navigate it or they Mm. don't know how to weaponize it just yet. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it. Yeah. We open with three girls chanting around a witchy table with many, many candles before the title card shows on the screen. Next, we see Sarah Bailey just arriving to Los Angeles with her father and stepmother from San Francisco. It is raining outside, and when they arrive at their new house, because they are moving, it is raining inside, (laughs) because I guess nobody looked at this house before they moved in. Nobody checked the roof. They just bought it, moved in, and the house is kind of a mess. But Sarah gets up to her room, leaving her dad and stepmother downstairs to kind of sort with the moving boxes that have arrived before them. She sets a picture up on her nightstand, which perhaps is her mother. Later, it is confirmed to be so. I also like noted that it was weird because I joked in my notes, like, is this telling us we're in Washington because it's raining? (laughs) But it doesn't rain in LA. If you think about the weather, they don't have like sewer grates because it barely rains. That area of California doesn't get rain very often. I am having a moment right now. Yeah. Wait, say what you were going to say. So it's like weird that on Sarah's arrival, there's this like massive rainstorm when that is not typical of that region whatsoever. 
I'm thinking because later we see her control the weather. Maybe it was because she was upset and melancholy that she was causing the rain. Mm-hmm. Some X-Men shit. <laughs> later, she goes downstairs to sort through some boxes and a crazy man with a snake enters. Yeah, just your casual guy with a snake. And he shows up at the door, spooks Sarah. He says something to her like, I had a dream about you last night. Maybe that was later. But anyway, he'll come up again later. But in this moment, he is unsettling. He has a snake. He seems like he wants to try to advance toward her and talk to her. But her dad comes downstairs and chases him off and kills the snake. Giving very much crazy Ralph in the pantry in Friday the 13th. Yes. But Sarah carries on. She decides she's going to fucking go to school without her uniform because she's not scared of everyone looking at her, which good for you, girlfriend. And she does look very different in stark contrast because everyone's wearing these dark Catholic school uniforms and she's dressed in all tan and white. Again, giving innocence, giving not like the other girls. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So as Sarah walks through the hallways, we meet our other three witches for the first time, Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy. Bonnie is reading The Almanac, (laughs) everyone's favorite book, my third favorite book (laughs) behind the Bible and... I don't even remember what my second one was. It's your favorite websites that you're thinking of. (laughs) Catholic.org. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the Almanac is my third favorite. Oh, and the Bump. The Bump is your second favorite website. Oh, and the Bump. Gotta know my baby names. (laughs) Okay, so she is reading something from this book that is telling her something is coming, etc., etc. Of course, foreshadowing Sarah's arrival and what that might mean for their little group of friends. I also like Nancy's characterization in this scene because she's obviously wearing her uniform the wrong way. Like she has shorts that are too short. Her shirt isn't buttoned enough. And they're at her locker and Bonnie's like, oh, the arrival of something. And Nancy's like, yeah, wonderful. Maybe I'll get my rack. Which is like, again, like making that transition between ascending into power, into sexuality, all that kind of mm. stuff. And then she pulls a casual noose out of her locker. Did you see that? Yeah, I don't know. She she has a noose in her locker that she is just kind of playing with. That is like such the 90s thing to just drop something so offensive like that as like a character trait and then just not bring attention to it whatsoever. The fact that Nancy has a noose in her locker, it was just like, what the fuck? Everything about Nancy is so extreme. I know. It's crazy. But yes, they're in French class. <laughs> I just wrote, Sarah is smart. Skeet is into it because she can speak French. I don't know what the fuck they were saying because there wasn't subtitles. There weren't. And this was an extended conversation. Yeah. I don't know what they were saying. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know what they were saying. But this is where Bonnie notices Sarah balancing a pencil on its point. Magic. (laughs) (laughs) And then she runs to the others. She's like, Sarah's our fourth. Mm -hmm. Okay. Bonnie is into it. She's ready to accept Sarah with open arms. Yeah. But the others don't seem too keen. They're not really into it like Bonnie is. Meanwhile, Chris, aka Billy Loomis, hits on Sarah. They're sitting at lunch together outside, across from each other at a table, and he gives her the down low on the three witches. So again, Bonnie, Rochelle, and Nancy. She later runs into them and meets them as she is standing outside of a fence watching Chris at football practice. And the girls are nice to her, and she seems interested enough in them that when they invite her to go into town with them to a local witchy store, she agrees to go. This was in the pre-plot trivia. I like laughed because Chris's football number is 86. And I was like, LOL, you bout to be. Because (laughs) for anybody who's worked in food before, 
if something's 86, it means you're out of it. There's no more of it. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's about to be cut out the equation or wow. he's about to be like off the map. Apparently that was intentional. So I, I laughed at that. He also says something in the background he gives Sarah about the witches that Nancy is the conventional slut. He mentions that and then quickly says, not that I would know. But later in one of those early conversations that Sarah has with Nancy and the other girls, Nancy mentions something about them having slept together. So immediately we are seeing, because the movie is told from the perspective of these four teenagers, we're definitely seeing Chris painted almost right away as a sleazeball. <laughs> Nancy <laughs> says, he comes on to anything. And then Bonnie's like, except me. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Which is funny because then they are in Scream together and they- And he very much does come on to her. Yes, he very much does. <laughs> Don't fear the Reaper, baby. Okay. <laughs> Sarah's walking with the girls. They find out she's from San Francisco. Nancy points out a scar on her wrist and was like, what's with that? And Sarah's like, I slit my wrist. And Nancy's like, punk rock. (laughs) The most 90s. She doesn't give Like, very matter of fact, they enter the witch shop. Bonnie tries to get Sarah to steal, but she won't because, again, she is not like the other girls. (laughs) And this witchy woman tells Sarah, your power comes from within. That's your mom's ring, isn't it? Da-da-da. So like, okay, we're getting some senses that not only can this witchy woman tell that Sarah's a little different, so can these other girls. So, all right, this is becoming a little obvious. She ends up purchasing a book about candles called The Crafts. And we have our titular moment, which we always love, that Leo meme, me pointing at the screen. The Crafts, The craft. <laughs> So yeah, we always love that. Then on the way home, as the girls are walking through town, the same homeless man from the beginning of the movie shows up and starts chasing after Sarah again with the snake. This movie does not like housing insecure people. (laughs) No, it really doesn't. He's even more persistent this time. He mentioned something to her about he had a dream about her, but she was dead and blah, blah, blah. Very disturbing. But then as she runs across the street to escape from him, he follows and is hit by a car. This is a pretty jarring scene Mm because they kind of show like the shot from under the vehicle as he's struck. Everything is so exaggerated in this movie, but this was too real almost. But then all the girls chat once they reach the other side and they're freaked out by what just happened that they realize they had all willed it to happen, that together they can make things happen. Yes, they make it to some... I like, I wrote, I'm like, is this the same side of the road that Hellraiser ended on? Because they're literally like behind a guardrail, like in the woods, but you see headlights passing by. I'm like, I don't know if they meant to do this, but that's the energy that it's giving. And Rochelle's like, maybe he'll listen now. And Sarah's like, who? And they're like, Minot. And we're going to hear a lot about Minot. (laughs) And Sarah's like, is Minot like God? And Nancy says, it's like God and the devil. It's everything. It's the trees. It's the ground. It's the rocks. It's the moon. It's everything. If God and devil were playing football, Minot would be the stadium they played on. It would be the sun that shone down on them. Okay, we're getting this idea of the connection between witchcraft and nature, which is a very solid connection in lore. We've touched upon this in many times, and this is exactly what Nancy's painting the picture of. Sarah begins to explain that she's always had the ability to kind of have these backwards manifestations, like she'll want it to rain and a pipe will burst in her room, or she'll want things to be quiet and she'll go deaf for a few days. So revealing to them that she's always kind of had this uncanny power, and they are also revealing that they are practicing witches and that they are now their own little coven. After this scene, Sarah leaves and meets up with Chris. 
They are together, it seems like on some kind of rooftop, sharing an intimate moment. They kiss, but then as things seem like they might escalate, Sarah says that she has to go home. Immediately, Chris's expression changes. You can see that he is notably disappointed at the stopped action. Sarah asks if he's mad. He says no. She apologizes, which doesn't have to apologize, Sarah. You can just say no and leave. But, you know, Chris says it's fine, whatever. And then she leaves. But the next day, Sarah goes to school and Nancy approaches her and is like, just so you know, Chris told everyone that you two slept together and that you're the worst lay he's had. Oof. (sighs) So Sarah approaches him and she doesn't really even approach him angrily. She just says, why did you lie about me? Yeah. It's sad. So earnest. And he's like, look, I don't want to go out with you again. Please stop begging. It's pathetic. Oh my God, he's the worst. So infuriating. He's definitely on our shit list now. 100%. He's always on our shit list. (laughs) Fucking skeet. (laughs) Get your shit together. So the next scene, Rochelle is in swim class, which might seem crazy, but when I was in junior high, I had swim class and we had a unit learning how to canoe. Canoe? Yeah. We just had to play that King Fisher game over and over again. That was torturous. No, we had a canoe unit. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) So... She's, I guess, diving off of a diving board. We can see that there is a bully who is, I forget her name, but she's Ben Stiller's wife. Is it Laura or something? I forget, but she's in Zoolander. Yes, she is in all of Ben Stiller's later works. Yes. (laughs) And she says something rude right as Rochelle jumps and Rochelle has like a backflop into the water because her dive doesn't go so well. Later in the locker room, this blondie, stereotypical bully says some racially charged insults at Rochelle, who is a Black student. Again, we are adding villains. (laughs) We are adding villains to the movie as we go. So this girl, we know that she's going to get something coming to her very soon. Then we see Bonnie at the doctor for what appears to be some form of gene therapy. We see her going for this experimental treatment and she is laying face down on a operating table of sorts. And we see that she has really prominent burn scars all over her back and her arms. She got this through a car accident, I believe. Essentially, she's going through this very painful gene replacement therapy where she has this needle that almost looks like it's a tattoo machine, but Mm -hmm. like it's poking into her scars over and over again to try to make her skin more smooth. And she's in a lot of pain. And ugh, I said this to Elise prior to recording. I appreciate that I can see Nev Campbell in a role like this because we're so used to her being like Sydney Prescott, badass. Like, yeah, it can surmount anything. But seeing her like play this more vulnerable role was awesome. Like, I felt so bad for her. Yeah, she's really sympathetic. Definitely. We are seeing first with Rochelle and now with Bonnie that these girls, you know, they're outcasts at school, but they have like some very real things going on that are difficult for them to maneuver. We get Nancy's backstory next. Yes, we do. So Nancy Downs gets home to a trailer she lives in with her mother and father figure. Stepfather. Stepfather, yes. You can tell it's like close quarters. You know, it's not the most spacious living area. And the stepfather is a jerk. Mother is also very clearly drunk or under some kind of influence. So we're getting the sense that Nancy is really kind of on her own when it comes to taking care of herself. And then we don't really get a lot of backstory with Sarah besides the fact that she attempted suicide. Like we get some flashbacks to that again, but we don't really get any storylines with like her parents or her stepmom or anything. We learn eventually that her mother died in childbirth. Yeah. But you're right. That's pretty much it. 
which like obviously that's traumatizing but that's not something that like she endured recently or now you Mm -hmm. know what I mean which is not to say that you can't be affected by things that happened a long time ago but it's interesting that the other girls are dealing with very real things now and Sarah seems to be harboring things unless her thing is that she moved away from all of her friends you know what I mean it could be like her powers confusion about her powers kind of like malevolent you know, Florence Pugh's character in that film seemed to have a lot of insecurities and depression even or anxiety around these powers that she was afraid she had. So maybe that's what we're seeing with Sarah. But you're right. It's never explicitly said what has been haunting her. Next scene, we get four girls hanging out in the woods, sitting in a circle and chanting to the elements, just girly (laughs) things. And they have this little ritual where they're holding a dagger out to each other. And I thought this was pretty intimate and pretty cute, but also intimate. They hold the dagger out to each other's chests and they say, it is better that you should rush upon this blade than enter the circle with fear in your heart. How do you enter? And then the other girl says, with perfect love and perfect trust. It's like these like little like initiation rituals almost that you go through when you get new friends and you know, you're testing people to see whether they're on the same level as you. So this is them holding each other to that standard, I guess. They say as above, so below, which is a movie we are going to cover eventually. Then they go around and they drink this little wine potion that they make with leaves and whatever the fuck, and they begin to ask for things. Rochelle asks not to hate those who hate her, obviously referencing the racist Laura. Sarah says to love herself and have others love her more, especially Chris. Bonnie wants the power to be beautiful on the outside as well as the inside. And Nancy says that she wants all the power of Menno. <laughs> Blessed be. <laughs> nice. This is when each of the girls prick their fingers, right? Oh, no. They have already pricked their fingers and put the blood yeah. into wine. and Drinking they, it. Yeah, yeah. They drink to solidify their asks. And then just then a bunch of butterflies surround the girls. And they say that they sense Mano. How sweet. We love that. So the next day, Chris is giving eyes to Sarah in class. She and Bonnie immediately say, like, the spell is working. Ooh. So after class, Chris carries Bonnie and Sarah's books to chapel, even though Chris's friends are giving him shit for it. And Nancy is notably looking a little jealous. So then we see Sarah yanks his train of Laura's hair out in the hallway. <laughs> yes. And they use this hair as a spell for Rochelle to get, I guess, revenge or mm-hmm. whatever. This is where Sarah reveals that her mother died during childbirth. And then we see Nancy putting her hands over Bonnie's scars. And Bonnie is crying, Mano, take my scars. Mano, take my scars. And it's so sad. Like, Nev, you're such a good actress. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. And I feel like, I don't know, just like watching this and remembering your own insecurities in high school coming back. Yeah, it hurt. It hurt to watch because everyone had their thing they didn't like about themselves and to see how painful that is when you're living with it and something you can't just like take off or change about yourself. It's yes. like, yeah. Ugh. So that night, the girls have a sleepover and they do light as a feather, stiff as a board. Rochelle is in the middle and the three girls are able to lift her up with their fingers. It is successful, but then, of course, the magic cuts off when Bonnie's mom comes into the room (laughs) to see, hey, girl, you know, like, what's up, blah, blah, blah. So Rochelle obviously falls in that moment, and it's this funny little thing. And then we cue the friendship montage, where after the sleepover, we can see that they're all spending their time together. They're becoming so close. This little witchy quatrain is going so well. You know what's so weird? 
I said to Elise prior to recording that I watched this movie on TV. I didn't rent it from a streaming service or whatever like that. And they took the light as a feather, stiff as a board scene out completely. Because I knew that was a scene in the movie, but I didn't remember watching it. They deleted it from... Why would they do that? I don't know. Like, do they not want kids doing it? Like, do they think it's Wiccan? Like, I don't know. But like... (sighs) I forgot about that scene completely. Like I knew it was in the craft, but then I was wondering when it came up and then it never did. And then I forgot about it. And it wasn't until you just said that. Oh, I'm like, oh my God, they deleted it. Oh my God. Yes. That's so weird. So it's actually then after that, I'm seeing in my notes because I just went to the next page. After that scene is when they grab Laura's hair. Oh. And then after that happens, then we get to the next day in swim class. So we're continuing on. Okay. Okay. okay that makes sense. Wow. Okay. I said, Sarah grabs some of Regina George's hair. So after she grabs her (laughs) hair for their little spell the next day, Laura takes off her swim cap after class and some of her hair is coming out. And it's not just like falling out. It looks like we can see in a close-up that there's almost like an open sore on part of her head. So it does look very painful. And right as Laura notices that this has happened, Rochelle dives off the diving board and nails her dive. So again, this increasing sense of confidence as Laura is being diminished. Next, we see that Bonnie's scars are healed. She goes back to the doctor and (laughs) it looks like so cheap because it looks like they're just wiping the prosthetic scar makeup off of her back. It's like they put a bunch of Elmer's glue. Yep, exactly. And they're just peeling it off. (laughs) That's exactly what it looks like. So she goes back to school after her appointment, scantily clad, showing her back and shoulders in her tank top. And she is feeling very confident in her skin. Meanwhile, Nancy is pissed that hers isn't working because (laughs) everyone else's is working because Chris is doting on Sarah and Bonnie's scars are healed and Rochelle's enemy is going bald. So so Nancy storms off and everyone's like, well, look, why is she pissed? And Rochelle does, I don't know, she doesn't want to be white trash anymore. And I told her, look, honey, you're white. You're just going to have to deal with it. It's like the one like bit of bite that Rochelle has this entire movie because otherwise she's played subdued. Yes, I agree. But like, I thought that was funny. Next, we get a scene of Nancy's stepdad being a perv, like trying to look up Nancy's skirt. And after the dad starts going after Nancy's mom to like abuse her, he drops dead. And then they find out that he has a $175,000 life insurance policy. Like they say $175,000 so many times. And I looked it up. That's about $300,000 today, which I'm not saying $340,000. $340,000? Yeah, I looked okay. it up too because I was like, hmm, I need to know how much this is. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like they live in LA and then they move into a penthouse. <laughs> yeah. And like, I don't know what LA looked like in 1996, but I don't think that life insurance policy is getting you a jukebox that plays only one person (laughs) and a penthouse high rise apartment. They went, they did it. They did it. All or nothing. (laughs) So the next scene, of course, Nancy has her friends over to show them around her gorgeous new penthouse apartment. And they decide to cast a glamour spell which is a spell that allows you to change either a part or all of your appearance. Think of when Hermione Granger turned into the cat. Oh, yeah. In Harry Potter, but then Harry and Ron were crabs and goyle like that. It's that. Mm -hmm. So first, Sarah changes her eyes just from green to brown, but the girls are not impressed. 
Then she changes her hair to blonde and everyone's like, wow, that's so cool. Wowie. But the effect is really bad. It's like (laughs) Instagram, like uh, what are those Snapchat filters probably could make your hair a more convincing blonde if you're a brunette. For the 90s. Yes. It did what it was supposed to do. It's still so fun though. And later, Sarah's at home sleeping when Chris shows up under her window. They cut so much out of this fucking movie. Really? I I didn't see this Oh my gosh. He shows up under her window and starts yelling for her. And so she goes to her window and is like, what are you doing here? And he professes his love for her. And then her dad has to come outside and shoo him away. Okay, because literally, because the next scene is her in the magic shop being like, I want to do the love spell. I'm like, we really haven't seen Chris doing that much. Because like, I'm sitting here being like, I mean, yeah, he held your books, but like, why are you so mad? Oh like, my God, he literally showed it. Oh, it was three in the morning. He showed it to her house at three in the morning, just like yelling. I'm like, girl, you're allowed to not like a guy anymore, but he just carried your books. Like, why are you freaking out? That makes so much. Why are they cutting all these scenes out of this movie? I'm so pissed. Oh my God. I feel like such an idiot. Okay, whatever. So she's in the magic shop being like, yo, can I undo this magic spell? The magic witchy woman is like, no, you can't undo what's been done. It must run its course. And she goes on to say, true magic is neither black nor white. It's both because nature is both, both loving and cruel at the same time. The only good or bad is in the heart of the witch. Life keeps a balance on its own. Whatever you send out, you get back three times. It's part of a basic spiritual truth. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The witchy woman also warns Nancy against invoking the spirit, which is bringing Mano into her body. And what do they do that night? They invoke the spirit. <laughs> they invoke the spirit of Mano. <laughs> this really bothers me. So they go to the beach, each with a different animal, a butterfly, a bird, a snake, and a fish. And they're supposed to represent the four elements. Yeah, why does Nancy have the snake? Yeah. They're all backwards. Except, well, Rachel's makes sense because she's water and she has the fish. Yes, that's the only one that makes sense. Why is there a butterfly and a bird? Which one is supposed to be Earth? Neither makes sense. Maybe the snake? The snake would be But why does Nancy have it? Because Sarah's supposed to be Earth. Yes. Nancy, I think, is supposed to be air. Oh, yes. Because I remember being like, she's Gemini. (laughs) (laughs) Like you. Like me. Yeah, so she's supposed to be air. But then I was like, why? I don't know. I was confused. Did she say she was a Gemini? No, but I remembered that she was air because I thought that she was a Gemini. I was like, you must be a Gemini. I was just, you know, <laughs> making associations. Elise is saying that I'm, I'm evil because I'm evil. a Gemini. Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but I'm just I, saying But evil. that I'm evil. I'm evil. <laughs> I'm evil. Oh, yeah. And then Bonnie is fire, which I thought was interesting because of her burn scars. But also she, I think, had the bird or the butterfly. And I was like, how is that supposed to be fire? Anyway, small detail, but I just thought that maybe... Like get a lightning bug or something. Yeah. 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 Like I thought that it could have been a little better. And I also thought that, yes, the elements were kind of flipped. And I was confused by that. Yes. That's all. So they're there, of course, to call the corners, meaning the four elements. And they call to the storm that is brewing in the far sky. And Nancy is struck by lightning. <laughs> she, she is. Oh, this is so funny to me. Uh, it, it was really, it was really funny. And also just the way that they're holding their hands above their head. I don't know. Yeah. It looks really ridiculous. <laughs> A fun fact about this scene. Oh, According to the official website of the film, it says the crew had to return to the location a second time to complete the filming interrupted by several weird occurrences (gasps) that even caused witchcraft consultant, which where do you get that job? Pat Devin to raise an eyebrow as the fog rolled in at midnight. And this is talking about the beach scene. The four actresses used actual Wiccan rites and language to invoke powerful forces. Then as Faye Ruzabulk's character Nancy attempts to invoke the deity Minot, 
a flock of bats hovered over the set and the tide rose dramatically, and you can see that in one of the aerial shots, extinguishing the circle of candles. Devin recalls that Minot, a fictitious creation for the film, sounds very close to Mananin, a Gaelic god of the sea. Luckily, we all weren't swept out to sea. What? Director Andrew Fleming quoted, Every time the girls started the ceremony, and only when they would start the ceremony, the waves would start coming up tremendously fast, pounding heavily. Then, right as Nancy says her line, Mano, fill me. Oh! Right at that exact moment, we lost power. It was a very strange thing. Ew! That is so cool and so scary. I know! Oh my gosh! Okay, wow. Well, after Nancy is struck by lightning... <laughs> We cut to the next day where the girls gain consciousness on the beach, look out to the water and see that Nancy, in a very Jesus fashion, is walking on water. (laughs) Yeah. Then the beautiful ethereal moment is cut by the sound of sirens on the other side of the jetty. So they look and see a bunch of dead sharks of all kinds have washed up along the shore. Yes, Nancy says, he blessed me. I can feel him running through my veins. He's still in me. Again. This is a gift. These are my gifts. I can feel you in me. I'm your daughter now? So much is going on, Nancy. They let this in the movie, but they won't (laughs) let me see Chris under the window? Okay, fine, fine, fine. Whatever channel I watch this on, fine. And I wrote, girls are shook, as they should be. Oh my gosh. So later, Sarah tries to tell her friends that shit is getting weird, but no one is listening. They're all feeling amazing and better than ever because of their powers. As they're in a vehicle having this conversation with Nancy driving, she keeps pushing red lights just as they turn green. And then she almost gets them into a car accident when she pushes a red light that does not turn green. So again, just this rising sense of recklessness in their newfound powers. I wrote, the other girls love the power, and Sarah is worried about karma, because karma is her boyfriend. Karma is a god. <laughs> karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Next day, Rochelle sees Laura crying in the school shower over losing her hair. She's beginning to feel guilty. Chris continues begging for Sarah's attention. She agrees to go out with him and see him. She's trying to talk to him, venting about the three girls, like, turning on her. He starts out slavish and pathetic, but then very quickly gets very handsy and aggressive and tries to rape her. Mm-hmm. But she somehow manages to get away, and she ends up at Rochelle's house and finds safety there. I don't think the girls were there, but they at least come there after Sarah arrives. They are fired up, of course, that Chris nearly raped Sarah. Nancy takes it upon herself to leave and hunt Chris down at a party that he's likely to be at, at a classmate's house. Nancy says, I want to go play. Oh, I'm scared. I also want to know what the transportation situation is, because is it assumed that Nancy just like fucking flew there? Because we see her arrive like a full like 30 minutes before the other girls who then show up in a taxi. I'm like, how'd you get there? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. But you're right. Nancy arrives at the party. Chris finds her and is like, is Sarah with you? (laughs) But she takes Chris upstairs where there is an empty bedroom with a lit fireplace ready to go. I'm like, did she do that? Otherwise, who is leaving in lit fireplace? And it's like my dream bedroom. I know. It's (laughs) like it's got the double doors. Chris is drunk. Nancy is a predator, (laughs) is trying to (laughs) seduce Chris. And she's like, remember, we used to have good times together. And he's like, I've been trying to forget. (laughs) Oh, my God, Chris. 
<laughs> the one-liners. Oh, fuck. But he says no enough times that Nancy changes strategy and she uses the glamour spell on herself and adopts the appearance of Sarah. And so drunk, enamored Chris, seeing the vision of Sarah, cannot resist. And so they commence making out some frisky business. Frisky business. Other girls arrive at the party. Sarah walks in on them. And then Nancy goes back to normal. And I liked this line, too, where Chris is like, you're a witch. They were right. And Nancy's like, they usually are. Like the accusation of like calling <laughs> calling people witches. Like I like that. Like historically, it's like, yeah, they're usually right. <laughs> I love that. It feels like it's gaining a little bit of power. What ends up happening? Nancy freaks out. That's what I wrote. But why? I forget why she freaks out. So Nancy reveals the love spell being like, the only reason you love her is because (sighs) she put a spell on you. And he's like, no, you're just jealous. And Mm. she's like, me? Jealous? (laughs) And then like, like starts going on this, like she's getting fired up. She's like, you don't even exist. You are nothing. The only way you know how to treat women is to treat them like whores, but you're the whore and that's going to stop. That's the thing. It's like Nancy is obviously making bad decisions, but she's also not wrong. Yeah, I support women's wrongs in this <laughs> I way. I support women's wrongs. I support women's wrongs because so good, she yes. sends him flying out the window. <laughs> and to his death. And to his death. And then I'm like, end scene. Where are the police? <laughs> like, we were just at school the next day where Sarah's casting a binding spell being like, Nancy, you should stop harm. I'm like, where are the police? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. But yeah, she goes right to trying to cast a binding spell. And after she tries to do that, which would prevent Nancy from doing any harm to others or herself, she has a spooky nightmare that the girls come and terrorize her as she tries to sleep in her bed. It kind of reminds me of the Sanderson sisters, the way that they look hovering above her bed. Mm -hmm. So at school, the girls find Sarah in the bathroom and tell her that if she's going to leave the circle, then she should leave town and the country, basically. They're starting to threaten her. And Nancy calls her out for casting a binding spell. So I guess she could sense that the night before, Sarah had tried to do her own magic. And she said something like, in the old days, witches who betray witches get killed. And this is where the heel turn of high school friendships is so real. (laughs) Like, obviously, they're talking about life and death right here. But that's what it feels like when you feel like you have these girls in your corner. And then just something happens, something so minuscule happens. And you go from having safety to being pursued. Even the fact that she's hiding in this bathroom stall, like, it's so upsetting. And that's something I think this movie just does really well is obviously, like, not everyone has a coven of witches when they're teenagers, but everyone knows how that feels like when you used to sit at lunch with these people and now you're hiding from them because you're afraid of them laughing at you. Like, it's so sad. I mean, I understand Nancy's villainous demeanor here, but I don't understand, like, Bonnie and Rochelle. Like, I know that they like their power and they like the way things have been going for them. But I guess I still don't really understand why they switched so easily. But that's all. I mean, I think because Sarah wants them to chill and not have power Mm. and be more responsible for it. But I think they also recognize that Sarah was always more better off than they were. Uh, And I think Nancy knows how to weaponize that to her advantage. Yeah. Yep. So Sarah goes to the witchy woman for help. She gets some motherly comfort. I thought this was very cute. It was cute. She says, you know, you can't be afraid of your power. Your mother wants you to be strong. She says, you can defeat those who challenge you, but you must surrender yourself to the higher power. You must invoke the spirit. Some of the other movies we cover this month are also (laughs) going to talk about like that idea of emptying yourself to let another more powerful being invoke you. Interesting, interesting. (laughs) 
they try to invoke the spirit and then a fireball erupts. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, yeah, I don't know. The whole shop is destroyed. <laughs> but it's destroyed, but then it goes back to normal. It's like an illusion. Oh, yeah, that's right. There are a lot of weird illusions that start happening now. So Sarah freaks out and runs back home, but no one is home. Nancy calls her on the phone and Sarah picks up. Nancy tells her that her family thought that Sarah had flown back home to San Francisco. And so that's where they went. But then she tells her, have you heard the news? You should turn on the TV. Sarah turns on the TV and there is news that the flight that her family had been on had crashed and there were no survivors. So she's thinking that her father and stepmother have died in a crash on their way to look for her. And of course, she commences to absolutely freak out. So the lights flicker, there are snakes everywhere, there's a lot of critters everywhere, there's rats, there's cockroaches, there's maggots in the toilet, like they're everywhere. There's a lot of critters. And the reason this is happening is because Sarah had revealed to Nancy earlier in the movie that she used to have nightmares of these things. So Nancy is using her nightmares against her. I wrote, what was the reptile budget on this movie? Because there are so (laughs) many critters, there are so many creepy crawly things coming around. Sarah descends the stairs and confronts the three floating girls in her living room. (laughs) And Nancy says, you're going to kill yourself tonight, my dear. Oh, gosh. It's so bad. But it's so bad. It's so good. Oh, my God. This sets up for, like, my favorite line delivery, I think. (laughs) Because they're taunting her. Nancy even says, you suck. You killed your own mother. Your own mother couldn't stand to live next to you. Like, uh, like sad shit. Oh, my God. Sarah's not fighting back. She's crying. She's obviously feeling very worn down. And Rochelle's like, why doesn't she use magic on us? And Nancy's like, because she's weak. And it's just like the, <laughs> the, the delivery is in her face. Like, it's so crazy. I love it. Is that the sound that's a TikTok sound? I don't know. Maybe. There's like, I should have written it down. But there is some thread of dialogue from this movie that I realized I heard a million times on TikTok. And obviously it originates from this movie. And I know Nancy is the one who says it. And I don't know if it's the because she's weak one. Honestly, I think it's the scene. And I don't know if we've talked about it or not, where they get off a bus and the bus driver says, watch out for the weirdos. And she says, we're the weirdos, mister. Like, I've heard that a lot. I don't but I don't it, know if it's that's what you're referencing. That might be one of them, but I, I feel like it's more of a piece of dialogue that she delivers in a more like elevated state. Right. But anyway, I'm not going to remember it unless I rewatch the movie or do some Googling. So we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. If you know what it is, send us an email. Yeah, correct us, please. <laughs> so after Nance, I started calling her Nance. We're on a, a nickname <laughs> We're basis. pals now. Yeah, we're pals. So after Nancy tells Sarah she's going to kill herself, a suicide note appears in front of Sarah. And then Nancy levitates over Sarah and slashes her wrists. So this is not just talk. You know, we're seeing actions. Sarah runs away to find something, of course, to put pressure on her wounds. And she cries looking at a picture of her mother. So this very like tender moment. Of course, she's missing her mother. Of course, dealing with the trauma of this news about her family. Back downstairs, Nancy bullies Rochelle and Bonnie into going upstairs to see, like, what the fuck Sarah's doing, which I love. Meanwhile, Sarah is upstairs chanting. Her mother in the picture kind of comes to life Harry Potter picture style and starts talking to her. Sarah manages to summon this power. Oh, did we say that we found out that Sarah's mom was a witch? Oh, yeah. Well, she was. Surprise. Surprise. We just found out about it, too. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. Um, And so by the time Bonnie and Rochelle get upstairs to see what's going on, they catch a glimpse of themselves in the mirror. And Bonnie's burns, which previously had only been on her, like, back and arms, had now spread up to her face. 
And Rochelle is balding. Dorian Gray shit. Yes! Mm-hmm. But we can see them looking into the mirror. So we can see that they don't actually look that way, but they're seeing their reflections as such. And it's enough to scare them into running out of the house. And this is, it comes back three times type of situation, right? Because it's a lot worse than it initially started. Sarah's invoking the spirit. The other two girls run away. Nancy's still downstairs. Mom gives an assist from beyond the grave, and she's able to finish this invocation spell. And this is where I wrote, I don't like that Minot is a masculine spirit when the whole tenet of witchcraft is in nature, which is a she. It's probably (laughs) meant to be both, but these witches become all powerful by invoking him into their bodies, which feels not good. I mean, we talked about this prior to recording, but that was like one of my main gripes is if the idea is that Minot is nature, make it genderless or make it a she. Even like looking at what the screenwriter and the producer said, it's all about women invoking their power. But the way they're invoking their power is by invoking a masculine spirit into their bodies, which Mm -hmm. I get is sexual in the 90s. And I think that's what you said in defense of it. But come on, there's lady spirits you could find, I guess. Yeah, next week, I think we'll find that the spirit in that movie is much more feminine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, yeah, if this movie was made again, I bet that's one of the things that might be changed about it. Well, it was. The movie was made again. (laughs) We'll talk about it. It wasn't changed? I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyway. Okay, sweet. Okay. Well, I'm excited to hear about it. By the way, all of the snakes and bugs have disappeared at this point. (laughs) (laughs) We forgot to mention that. It was just another illusion. (laughs) And, of course, Nancy seeing her friends evacuate the dance floor, she, I mean the house. (laughs) (laughs) It is a dance floor. (laughs) The dance floor. She goes upstairs to see what is going on with Sarah. And what is going on with Sarah is Sarah is turning Nancy's fingers into snakes. (laughs) (laughs) She's got snake fingers. Yes, she does do that. Uh Uh-huh. And of course, that freaks Nancy out because who wouldn't be freaked out to see that their fingers have turned into snakes? And then bugs start coming out of her throat. And she turns into like a little bit of a Medusa. (laughs) But not in a fun way. And she is, of course, very freaked out and upset. And this makes sense, right? Because Sarah is Earth. So having that she is conjuring all of these critters makes some sense, Mm -hmm. right? She says that Minot saved her and says, you're in deep, Nance. He says you've abused what he's given you, and now you're going to have to pay the price. Now who's pathetic? Like, how quickly it is that when you get power, you're ready to just taunt and give it back. I'm like, oh, gosh. Love it. Love it and hate it. But Nancy pulls a fucking Tiffany. Mm. Says, I know I'm a little crazy, (laughs) but I don't mean to be. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. No more games. Like, I'm a bitch. I'm like, it's just who I am. I'm a bitch. Oh my god. But then Sarah tries to cast that binding spell again in front of Nancy. That's like Nancy will not cause harm to herself or others. And Nancy freaks out and pulls out what did she put? A knife? Yeah, like a dagger. Scissors, the dagger, and tries to stab Sarah. She fully freaks out. Sarah is able to somehow dodge these strikes. They have a huge fight. Mid-air fight. Mid-air. This is the fight that won the MTV award, everybody. (laughs) Mid-air tussle. I don't even know who summons the dresser, but somebody summons the dresser to barrel toward where the girls are fighting against the wall. Nancy gets out of the way and the dresser hits Sarah. So then... Okay, so (laughs) Nancy moves the dresser and then just sees Sarah's clothes, a la Invisible Man. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, is she gone or 
oh, she's invisible. Okay, she's invisible? Mm-hmm. So then she becomes not invisible, which when has this been in her little trick book? I want to know where this one came from. We didn't see this <laughs> spell in practice. Whatever the fuck. She kicks Nancy back, finishes the binding spell, and then fights over. We're cut to later. We see Rochelle and Bonnie approaching Sarah at her house, apologizing. Sarah is not having it. They very slavishly ask if she still has powers because they don't have powers anymore. Says like, oh, well, if you ever want to come, like, you know, chant the corners, (laughs) you know, you know where to find us. And she's like, hold your breath until I call. Ooh. And just to put the period on that sentence, she summons the clouds and a bolt of lightning comes down and strikes a branch that falls right in front of Bonnie and Rochelle, as if to say, I do still have my powers, by the way. Thanks. And I thought this was significant because she's using all four because it's raining. She's using (gasps) the wind, the lightning is fire, and then the tree is earth. So she (gasps) took Nancy's power. So she still has Mano in her. Oh my gosh. She has all four. That is amazing. I didn't even notice that. After the branch, she tells Bonnie and Rochelle to be careful and that they don't want to end up like Nancy. And then the movie ends with a shot of Nancy. She is in some kind of mental institution. She is strapped to a bed and her ramblings about Minot and power seem crazy. The camera cuts out and the movie ends. Yeah, it ends a little meanly. It does, definitely. But I mean, add it to the list of mean things Uh, in the movie. You're you're very right. (laughs) It it does really remind me a lot of Mean Girls. um, Just with powers. Just with, yep. mm -hmm. Not feeling your boob for the weather powers, just invoking the weather powers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So some post-plot stuff on the idea of witchcraft. This comes from The Profound Enduring Legacy of the Craft by Angelica Jade Bastian. She writes, Witchcraft is more than a mere teenage rebellion for these young girls. It's a means to attain what at first glance appears unattainable. Power, control, autonomy, the ability to live beyond the various oppressive forces that govern their lives. For many girls, witches are our first brush with any depiction of feminism and the price women pay in searching for control over our lives. Whether they're unhinged old women cackling into the night sky... The witch. Or or alluring vixens, witches teach us the glory and risk that comes with power for a woman. They give voice to the darker desires you're too young to name and the anger swelling in your chest when the people in your orbit assume you lack the grit or intelligence necessary to make your desires a reality. Each of the girls is weighed down by the expectations and prejudices the world beyond their coven burdens them with. Hmm. I love that. I love that too. And I had to put a little bit about Nancy because obviously Nancy's a very iconic character. She's like the face of this movie, even though we're following Sarah. Nancy is who people remember in this movie. So this is from the same article. I fell for Nancy because she mirrored my own adolescent struggles. She was poor, lonely as hell, and paranoid that what friendships she did have would be taken from her by someone more powerful and easier to love. Nancy's greatest mistake isn't the darkness that overtakes her, but that she refuses to play by the rules society lays out for her. Her stepfather is an abusive creep. Her mother is too self-involved to notice Nancy's cries for help. Everyone else is too afraid of Nancy to understand her, and it isn't like she'd let them close enough anyway. It's Balk's performance that grants this story its potency. She's tender yet terrifying, maniacally intense, yet resolutely focused on exploring the joys that mostly have been withheld from her. Wow, I love that. I mean, because that's the thing. 
she has never liked Sarah from the beginning. And I think we kind of brushed over that. Even the fact that their first interactions, the three of them with Sarah, Rochelle and Bonnie are speaking for Nancy. It's like they're speaking for the mean girl because I think Nancy realizes begrudgingly she has to accept this person because she wants the power. Sarah is the key to unlock all of that power. But she sees Sarah as a threat to Bonnie and Rochelle. Like she sees her as this threat to be like, Sarah doesn't have to be as intense as I am and people still gravitate toward her. And I'm going to lose that if I don't put her in her place. That's a really intriguing point. I hadn't thought about it. Yeah, me either. She's just so extreme in so many ways. I hadn't thought about the intricacies of her character. But you're right. I mean, she does have these friends. Who knows how long they've been friends for? They probably have known each other when some of these very real traumas that they're still dealing with happened in real time. And that's a really strong bond. So the last bit, it's like a sad piece that I felt was important to talk about. So years later, Rachel True, who plays Rochelle, opened up about how she was often ignored by the promotional materials, despite being one of the film's leads. She was forgotten by press junkets until one of her co-stars phoned the studio to get them to include her. And she was also the only one out of four actresses to not be invited to the MTV Movie Awards that year. So her storyline was changed after she was cast. Originally, Rochelle's character was written to suffer with an eating disorder, but was rewritten to be racist bullying instead after Rachel True, who is a black woman, was cast. Rachel True agreed that it was important to change her storyline given the character, but it was unfortunate that the treatment persisted beyond the screen. Wow. Which sucks. That does suck. I watch a lot of those documentaries about horror, whether it be like the Eli Roth stuff or the 100 Scariest Movie Moments. And Rachel True's in there and like she loves the genre. She's one of those actresses that stayed in the genre. We'll talk about the genre, like has really good points of view. And it just sucks that like people remember her for this, but you know, her experience. And it doesn't sound like the other actresses treated her that way. It was literally Mm -hmm. like she wasn't getting the recognition that she deserved in the same way, which sucked. Because obviously Nev went on to have a great career. Sarah was the lead and everyone remembers Nancy, but like who's talking about Rochelle, you know? Yeah, that does really suck, especially because the whole point of the movie is like the idea of calling the four corners, these four girls, they're like a package deal, you would think for all of the promotional material or all of the award shows or anything like that. I feel like how could it not be obviously a snub if she wasn't included in every facet of that? Nancy was funny because she was so extreme. Sarah was pretty cut and dry and Bonnie was a little bit quiet, but Rochelle was the funniest one. Um, Like she was the one that fell on the ground when the mom entered the room after the light as a feather, stiff as a board move. And I don't know, that really is disappointing to me. Yeah. So lastly, in 2020, The Craft Legacy was released as a soft reboot slash standalone sequel to The Craft. It's the same, like there's four witches from different areas and they're like doing similar things. It's not a straight remake, like they do tackle different things that are going on. And Feyruza Bulk has a cameo in it, which is really good, which I'm not going to talk about. Like, And I didn't want to talk about the storyline in the case we ever wanted to cover it because I watched it on an airplane. So I don't know oh. if that's why I'm not remembering. <laughs> exactly. I remember I like liked it enough, but like I don't remember the plot. But I didn't want to talk too much about it in the case we ever wanted to cover it again, because I do think it's interesting that witchcraft and whatever is having that little bit of a renaissance and a resurgence. So the fact that, you know, they brought the craft back and they integrated some more Gen Z themes and and all that Mm. kind of stuff. I liked it. And there are discussions for a third installment with an intergenerational storyline. So the original four and then this new four talking about having them interact almost in the same way that Hocus Pocus 2 did where there's like a new crop of kids, but the original three came back. You know what I mean? Like something like that. 
But that's the craft. We finally did it. We did it. I'm so thrilled that we did. I really enjoyed that. Despite its heavier moments, like we said at the top, it's really nostalgic and fun to see. And I can see why it is a classic and why people watch it year after year. Yeah, and for our witchy season movies, I think we picked three that are so different from one another. (laughs) Like, I don't think they could be any different from one another. So next week is going to be quite the right turn from the funny little ha-has that we got (laughs) out of this one. It's going to be very different. Yes, very different. And then do we have the third one picked? I think we do. Yes. Okay, so we do have a third one picked. I have not seen it yet, but I'm really excited. Let's leave it a secret. Yeah, why not? Surprise. If you would like to follow along with us as we release episodes, we've been pretty consistent as of late, but you know, in case something comes up and you need to know what's going on as far as news goes, please follow us on Instagram at the horrors podcast and or feel free to email us with any recommendations, comments. Maybe if you remember the piece of dialogue from this movie <laughs> that was a TikTok sound, please, please email us at the horrors podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, we're the horrors. Bye. Bye. Bye.